If we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Logan. I'm the pastor here at Refuge, and I'm so excited uh, that you are with us here this Easter uh, morning. If this is your first time, or maybe it's just your first time in a long time, I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity uh, to celebrate Easter with your family. Uh, we really do feel like it is an honor for you to be here with us. Easter is the time where we, we celebrate the resurrection. That is, as followers of Jesus, we believe that, that Jesus, uh, the perfect Son of God, uh, he came to this earth, he died on the cross, and then three days later he rose from the grave. And, and that is what we're celebrating today. That Jesus didn't stay in the tomb, that God raised him back to life, which means that, that anything that could try to defeat us uh, can never do it. And our lives will never be the same. And that same powerful God who did that, who raised Jesus back from the dead, we want to invite him into this place today. So if you guys would do this for me, just, just put your hands out, palms up, close your eyes. No, nothing special to it. It's just, just a posture of surrender. Take a deep breath. And remember that, that God is just as near as that air you're breathing. God, would you give us uh, tender hearts to your word this morning? Uh, help us to put away the, the frustrations of this past week. Help us to, to put away uh, the distractions from the coming week. Let us fully focus on you and what you have for us. We come empty with nothing to offer but surrender. God, in our time this morning, we ask that you would fill us up as only you can. Uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, uh, today we're in part five of a sh our series we call Shoes. Uh, they say, help me out with this part. They say you can't understand someone unless you've walked a mile in there. You can't understand someone unless you've walked a mile in their shoes. Every week uh, we've looked at different individuals that had a personal encounter with Jesus and, and maybe more importantly how Jesus changed them. Uh, week one, uh, we tried on these sweet penny loafers. Uh, we saw Nicodemus. Nicodemus was uh, a religious man who was really focused on rules uh, to get him to heaven. He was so focused on the law and checking boxes that initially Nicodemus, he, he missed Jesus. Uh, but Jesus helped him to understand it's not about rules, it's about relationship. And that we don't need to hide behind a mask trying to act like we have it all together. We can come to Jesus just as we are. And then, after Nicodemus, we looked at uh, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And I wore these every single week that we, no, hey, I did not wear these. Hey, we saw the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, she was an outcast. Uh, her, her identity was in her shame and in her guilt. But Jesus, Jesus gave her a, a new identity, identity that was found in him. And he took away her shame and her guilt. And then, uh, after that, we saw part three, we saw uh, the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. We saw a man who for 38 years, he was paralyzed. He, he was sitting on a mat. He was completely hopeless. He thought he would never be made well. And Jesus comes to him. And where he was hopeless, Jesus comes and he makes him whole. Because with Jesus, there is always hope. And, and last week, we looked at the, the Roman centurion he had bold faith he understood that Jesus had all authority and power and because he believed uh, Jesus said that because this Roman centurion believed he made his servant healed Jesus healed him because of this man's faith 
And today, today we're going to try on these fantastic Jesus shoes. We're going to walk a mile in Jesus' shoes. And give me a little practice to get into these. All right, I tried this, but these are a little more. Ah, there we go. We're going to walk a mile in Jesus' shoes. Uh, we're going to look at actually his, his darkest moment and see what that means to us. Because uh, we got to be reminded that because of the resurrection, we can have a relationship with God. That because of the resurrection, our shame and our guilt is gone. Because of the resurrection, where we have no hope, God can fill us up with hope. Because of the resurrection, we, have a, we can have a bold faith. Because if Jesus can take his worst, most painful time on earth and give us all of this, we can trust him with whatever is happening in our lives. Because he is greater than any problems we can face. Any of them. He's greater. Some of you guys walked in today and you're a little, uh, you're feeling a little beat up. Discouraged. Uh, a little down. Maybe you got some uh, financial worries. Maybe some, some marriage struggles. Uh, your job's got you in a funk. Uh, your family's in disarray. You're worried about your kids. Uh, maybe you just walked in you're feeling, you're just, you're just tired. You are just wore out. I can confidently look at you and say that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than the troubles you are currently going through. And not only is Jesus greater, he is right there with you. And so today as we put on Jesus' shoes and we look at uh, some of the events from his final days here on the earth, we're going to see how, how Jesus, he understands betrayal. Uh, Jesus, he, he understands pain. Jesus, he understands sacrifice. Uh, and he understands victory. He understands victory. Uh, the first one is Jesus. He understands betrayal. Uh, we've all felt betrayal in our lives. All right, to have someone that you, that you trust, right, leave us out to dry, right? People that we thought had our back, people we thought we could trust, and they scramble away. Jesus, he gets that. Uh, Jesus is betrayed by, by one of his own disciples. Uh, his name is Judas. Judas was the, the treasurer for the 12 disciples. He managed the money. Uh, and Judas actually spent a few years with Jesus going everywhere with him. And yet, uh, when Judas has the opportunity to, to turn on Jesus, to give him over to the authorities at the time uh, for a little bit of money, Judas, he jumped on him. He spent all that time with Jesus. He saw Jesus heal. He saw Jesus perform miracles. But he wanted money more than he wanted a Messiah. Not only does Judas betray Jesus, uh, but after Jesus is arrested, his disciples, they, they scramble. Uh, some deny that they even know Jesus. They denied him because they were fearful. They were afraid of what people would think if they were associated with Jesus. They were afraid of what it would cost them. Jesus was betrayed by the people who were closest to him. Maybe you felt betrayed. Maybe you felt betrayed by, by a spouse, by, by a family member, by a friend. Uh, I want you to know Jesus has felt what you feel. He has experienced what you've gone through. He, and here's the deal. Jesus, he experienced it alone so that you don't have to. You don't have to go alone because he wants to be right there with you. And not only does he want to be right there with you, uh, but Jesus, he, he understands our betrayal. He also understands pain, like real deep Pain. Uh, after he's betrayed uh, Jesus, he makes it to, to Pilate for a trial. 
Pilate, he's the Roman uh, leader at that time. And, and Pilate, here's what's amazing, Pilate finds him not guilty. Uh, direct quote from Pilate, understand clearly that I do not find, I find him not guilty. Uh, and, and yet, Pilate has Jesus flogged uh, with a lead tip whip. He has them weave a, a crown of thorns and, and stick it into Jesus' skull. They, they put a robe on him and, and they mock him as the king of the Jews. Uh, the guards, they, they pulled out his beard. They spit in his face. They, they'd slap him and say, which one of us hit you? Jesus is trying to, do, or Pilate is doing this to Jesus to try and appease the crowd. He doesn't care about Jesus. He literally just said, I don't find him guilty. He's just doing this to make the crowd happen. He shows Jesus to the crowd, and, and Jesus is beaten. He, he's, he's bloodied. He's wearing a crown of thorns. He's being mocked, and he's just doing this so that the crowd will accept the punishment. Like, look, I, I beat the snot out of this guy. He, he's barely alive right now. Uh, but it doesn't work how Pilate intended. So see, when, when the crowd see Jesus, they become bloodthirsty and start chanting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. So what Pilate does is he actually turns Jesus over to the soldiers to be crucified. And they, they nailed him to a cross. They put one nail through each wrist. They crossed his feet, put one nail through the middle of both of them. Jesus is naked beaten, enduring a physical pain as intense as you could imagine. And now that he's up on the cross, every breath that he has to take, he has to lift up his diaphragm to breathe, and so he has to put pressure on all those points where he's nailed to the cross. He has to lift up just to breathe. Immense physical pain. But the part that would be the most painful thing for Jesus as, as the Son of God is having God the Father turn from him says this in Matthew 27, verse 46. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? See, Jesus, uh, he experienced this horrible abandonment of his father God. And it's because God is pouring his wrath out on Jesus. In that moment when Jesus is on the cross, he carried the sin of the world on his shoulders. And in that moment, Jesus experienced something far worse than physical pain. To, to have his uh, fellowship with God broken. And I think the natural question is, why, why would God break fellowship with Jesus? Jesus, his only son. Uh, and here's why. Because God is perfect. God can't have any, any unity or, or fellowship with sin. And so as Jesus is on the cross, he's got the weight of our sin on him. So in that moment, God the Father, he breaks fellowship with him because he can't be in relationship with sin. The peak of Jesus' pain is not in the cross, that physical pain. It's in that spiritual, in that emotional. The pain is in his words, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? the first and only time that Jesus separated from God the Father. 
Not only is there there pain in those words, those words are both a quote and a fulfillment uh, from Psalm 22. I'm going to read these few verses here. Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you gone so far away when I groan for help? Everybody who sees me mocks me. They sneer and they shake their heads. And he surround me like a herd of bulls, like lions. They open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax welting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for the clothing. Those words were written nearly 600 years before Jesus is even born. And yet how perfectly does that describe what Jesus is going through? He's He's broken. He's completely surrounded by, by enemies, and he's, he's empty. He's got nothing left to offer. Why? Why would anyone go through this? Uh, what could make it worth it? What could make that much pain worth it? You. You're worth it. It says this in John 3, 16. For this is how God showed, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. God loves you that much. He wants to have a relationship with you and it cost him greatly. It cost him his life. Jesus, he understands betrayal. He, he clearly understands pain. Uh, but Jesus also understands sacrifice. Sacrifice is, is pain, but with a purpose. Um, I understand pain, but a lot of the times it's pain because of my own poor decisions. Can I get an amen? I'm done sometimes. Uh, but Jesus, he understands sacrifice. Sacrifice is pain with a purpose. It's painful, but it's for a reason. Uh, if there was any other way for us to be with God other than Jesus on the cross, Jesus would have gone that way. At one point, uh, Jesus even prays and he asks God, if there's any way that this could pass from me. Uh, but there is no other way. The cross is the only way because sin, anytime we mess up, anytime we make mistakes, uh, there's, it carries a debt that must be paid. And it's a debt that would be impossible for us to pay ourselves. Because there is no way a perfect God could have sin in his home. And we couldn't do it. And that's why God sent Jesus. Jesus came to, to pay the debt of our sin. The only way for us to be right with God uh, was to have someone pay our debt. And the only one who could is Jesus. It says this in Hebrews uh, chapter 9, verse 22. It says, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Jesus is the only way. And all that pain that he had to endure was for a purpose. It was so 
that we could have a relationship with God. It was so I could have a relationship with God. It was so you could have a relationship with God. It was to bring salvation to all who eagerly wait for him. Uh, Jesus understood that uh, the pain he went through was worth it. Because to Jesus, you were worth it. He loves you that much. He died on the cross because of his love for you. And if we were just to, to stop there, it would be a, a tragic uh, loss of life. This, this innocent man, uh, seemingly defeated by evil. I just want to pause right there and say, uh, I want to be very clear that there wasn't one thing that happened to Jesus that he did not have the power to stop. Not one. At any moment, he could say, I'm, I'm done. But he didn't. He offered himself as a willing sacrifice. See, Jesus doesn't understand defeat. He, he wasn't defeated on the cross. Jesus, he, he understands victory. Uh, Jesus understands victory. It says this in Matthew 28. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Then the angel spoke to the women, be, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was laying. Jesus doesn't understand defeat. Jesus understands victory. Uh, Jesus was laid in the tomb. And so many people thought that was the end. And Jesus has never lost a battle. He stands undefeated. Uh, in the resurrection, uh, Jesus defeated sin once and for all. It is finished. Jesus is victorious. Sin no longer has any debt to be paid. It is paid in full. And here's the amazing part. All we have to do is just accept the payment that Jesus has already made on our behalf. To accept the gift of salvation. And instantly we are made right with God. Instantly we have a claim to the kingdom of God. And we have to remember the only reason we have any claim, the only reason we have any claim to heaven is because of Jesus. We didn't earn it. It'd be impossible for us to. It was all Jesus. It says this in Isaiah. Uh, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. He died so that we could live. Church, we stand in victory because of Jesus. We stand in victory because of the cross. We stand in victory because of the empty tomb. We stand in victory because Jesus is alive. We stand in victory. And my question for you this morning is, does your life look like a life of victory? Are you living a life of victory, the life of victory that Jesus has for you? Uh, if, if we're honest, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Like sometimes it just feels like we're living a life that's just surviving. There's so many things happening. There's so many things happening in our lives that we're just, we're just getting by. 
It feels like there's, it's almost meaningless, all the things we have going on. And friends, hear me in this. That is not the way of Jesus. And if you're not living uh, the life of victory that you can have in Jesus, it's for, for one or two reasons. The first one is you haven't uh, surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never accepted that gift of salvation that Jesus offers. So that's the first one. The second one, uh, there are others. You're not living a life of victory because uh, you've grown a little calloused to the ways of Jesus. Like you, you know Jesus, but you've grown a little callous to, to following his ways. Uh, you made a decision uh, to follow Jesus, but it's just been a little bit like a firecracker. Like it was spectacular, it was beautiful, uh, and then it all blew up, right? It disappeared. You quit seeking to do things God's way. You quit being poured into. I, I want to put this in a way where you, you can see it uh, for yourself. Um, let me see if I can get this over here. The moment you accept Jesus, the moment you accept Jesus, this is how God views you. Perfect. Clear. He doesn't see your sin anymore. He doesn't see anything. It says this in Galatians 3. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. When you've united with Christ, it's like an instant change of clothes. You changed out of your, your messy, your dirty, your sinful clothes, and you put on Jesus' perfect fit. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see that. He sees his perfect son, Jesus, without blemish. There is nothing you have to do to keep God viewing you like this. Can I be real with you? There's nothing you did to do this. It was all Jesus. You just had to accept it. It was all grace. We are clothed with Jesus' perfection. And when God sees us, it's like he's looking at Jesus. Uh, being clothed with Jesus' perfection, that's called, uh, it's a big word, but it's just called justification. I think of it like this. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justification is. The instant we accept Jesus, we are 100% right with God. Just as if we'd never sinned. My prayer is that today uh, God would draw you to, to make that decision if you haven't. As soon as you accept Jesus, you are 100% right with God. If you're not living a victorious life, it's because maybe you're not following Jesus. Maybe you haven't made that decision. And the second reason is maybe you've accepted Jesus, but you're not following him now. And, and that's, that's the rub. That's where a lot of believers uh, struggle. We aren't living perfect lives, right? Like we're justified. Jesus looks at it, God looks at us because of Jesus, and it's like we've just as if we'd never sinned. But we don't live perfect lives. Actually, we're far from it. Can I get an amen? Anybody got some struggles in here? We ain't got it together. I know I don't. We are in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And there are a lot of Christians that they get frustrated with this part. So, so vertically, God looks at us and he sees Jesus. We're clothed in his perfection without, without any blemish. But horizontally, how, how we view ourselves and, and maybe how other people view us, uh, we look like that. Uh, we're a bit messy 
imperfect, uh, rough around the edges. Uh, we, uh, so once we accept Jesus, we view ourselves kind of like this. Like, like we're the same, but with just a little bit of Jesus. Just a little bit of Jesus. Like we've got a little bit of Jesus in our lives, but it's just not what we expected. And here's what happens. We get frustrated thinking, uh, I should be further along than this. Why am I still struggling with these things? And what happens is that frustration ends in stagnation. We quit seeking to be poured into. Uh, we give up on the process. We, we settle for simply justification. We settle for right standing with God. Uh, church, hear me this. Right standing with God is huge, but the power of the cross, the power of the resurrection is not just power for eternity. It's power right here and right now. The gospel isn't fire insurance. It's so much more than that. And if we get frustrated and stagnant, instead of letting God move through us, we just stay still. Nothing happens if you stay still. You can't shortchange the process. To see God move in your sanctification, All right, that's the process of becoming more like Jesus. You have to keep seeking to have him pour in to you. To have him pour into you more and more and more and more and more. And it's not, it's not gonna be instant. But after a while, after you've had Jesus pour into you and pour into you, It's not instant, but after a while, you don't look anything like you did. Unrecognizable to the person you once were. I want to be clear, uh, nothing changed how God views you. You are clothed in Jesus' perfection. But that process of having him pour into you, it can be frustrating. You might think, I wish I was further along. Don't get stagnant. Keep seeking to have Jesus pour into you. Having him pour into you doesn't change how God views you, but how you view you, how, how maybe others view you. Those things change when you let Jesus keep pouring into you. You might, you might be sitting there thinking, what does it mean to have Jesus pour into me? I'm, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Jesus, having Jesus pour into you is, is being available to God. It's just being available to God. Being available to get into your Bible, God's Word. Being available to pray. Being available to, to listen to some worship music and just to sing praises to God. Being available to serve others. It's simply being available to God. To say yes to whatever He puts in your path. As you are available to God, the Spirit of God will work in you and through you to the point where you'll be unrecognizable to who you once were. Wherever you're at right now, uh, if you've never accepted Jesus or if you're a believer that's struggling to live that life of victory, uh, the solution is the same. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Follow me. To follow Jesus. The first step, 
to accept Jesus, to accept his, his gift of salvation. There's nothing we did to earn it. It is all grace. Uh, I believe there's people in this room today that need to accept Jesus and to start following him so you can live the life of victory that God has for you. I think there's others in here that you need to get back on the path of following Jesus. Have him pour into you. You've accepted the gift of salvation, but you, you've wandered away from following him. I have some good news. You may have quit pursuing God. He hasn't for one second quit pursuing you. Use today to get back on the right path, to follow Jesus every day. That's what we need. Let's pray.